Hi, everybody. Welcome back to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Job Search Guide, where we give you tips and strategies that will help you land that next great position. And we do so by bringing in knowledgeable guests who know what it takes to succeed. Of course, the resume is a big factor in acquiring an interview and ultimately a job. And preparing that resume properly can go a long way in determining your fate. Joining LJN Radio to give us the inside scoop, we have Stephanie Lomax, Director of Human Resources at Roll-In Companies. Stephanie, thanks for coming back on with us. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. This is one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Well, that's great. That's awesome. And uh, obviously an important one. Before we jump into some of the details, I wanted to give the listeners an idea of where you're coming from with this. So if you could just describe a little bit of your professional experience and how it clearly relates to this topic. Absolutely. Well, I've been reviewing resumes and conducting interviews for over 15 years since I've been in human resources. And I've done that in a variety of industries from real estate services, IT, healthcare, and currently I work in the construction industry. In addition to that, my mom was in human resources for over 30 years. So I had a lot of experience writing and probably rewriting more than writing (laughs) my own resume with uh, her help and her input. So I've seen quite a lot over the last 15 years. Which is exactly why you're on the show. And that's why listeners pay attention. She knows exactly what she's talking about here. Plenty of experience with that. So first of all, we often like to ask our guests this when we're talking about any subject. How do you describe what the purpose is of the resume really and what its value is when you're talking about trying to get that job? Well, you know, the purpose of the resume really is to summarize your skills and abilities with the intent of securing an interview and then ultimately getting that job. The value in that is that it gives the potential employer an idea of what skills and experience you can bring to the organization. In other words, what kind of value can you bring to them? And in turn, Mm -hmm. you get to ask for the salary you feel you're valued at based on the skills that are outlined in your resume and the responsibilities of the job. So as somebody's looking to prepare this then, what would you say are really the key aspects of that resume, things that might be, in your mind, vital when you're preparing this document? One of the key elements of the resume is really going to be your past work experience. This is the best way for an employer to quickly ascertain your skills and how those skills transfer over into their organization. Another key element is your extracurricular activities. Employers want to see that you're well-rounded, so they want to see what type of memberships you have, what type of clubs you're in, or associations and other organizations outside of the workplace. And this gives them an idea of how well-connected you are. I mean, we all know that networking is a very key component in Mm -hmm. business, and it's important to not only organizational growth, but also professional growth. So they want to see a very well-rounded individual, you know, work experience and things you do outside of of the workplace. Now, with those items that maybe are outside the workplace or the volunteer aspects, should those be something that do relate to the job you're applying to, or can they be a little bit different? Because as you mentioned, being well-rounded might say that you know, you, you're showing skills in a different area. I mean, how would you, with that limited space, how would you factor that in? Yeah, definitely. I think there's nothing wrong with having probably a mix of both. I mean, if okay. we're honest, you know, there's some things that we do in our job every day that we love to do, and we tie that and connect that out to the community. And then there are things that are our passion outside of what we do on a daily basis. And, you know, that's also tied outside of the workplace. So I think having, you know, a good mix of that, there's nothing wrong with that. If you, you know, do everything outside of the workplace that has nothing to do with work, that's okay too. I think that ideally what they're trying to see is, you know, 
kind of a snapshot and a picture of exactly, you know, what type of person. They're trying to summarize you, right. know, you as a person on paper, essentially. Okay. Another question that we often get, and some of it has to do with, again, the space and the idea of one page or more, and, and you can touch on that if you'd like as well. But when you're talking about like styles and formats of the resumes, I'm sure you've seen countless, I've seen countless. What should you consider there? You know, coming from your perspective, what's ideal from what you know a job seeker is sending in and how their resume looks, not necessarily what's on it? Exactly. You know, I have seen a lot. Um, One of my favorite stories is um, when I worked for an IT consulting firm, I had a candidate that sent their resume in. And this was when people were still new to the whole electronic way of transmitting resumes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would still mail resumes in. And the young lady's name was, her last name was Green and her resume was on green paper. (laughs) And I mean, Kelly green paper. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, it definitely stood out, you know, but so there's definitely all types of, you know, things that I've seen. I would think I say that one of my biggest things is is the format and how it actually looks. Having been in HR for 15 years, you know, if I were going out looking for a job, there are things that I would want to emphasize about my past experience right. and things that I would want to leave out, you know. One of the biggest things is that you want to try to limit your resume's employment history to what the relevant experience is for the type of job that you're applying for. Sure. You know, using me as an example, prior to getting into human resources, I worked for a school system and it wasn't in the HR capacity at all. So now that experience doesn't need to be included on the resume since it's no longer relevant. If it's your first job or you're changing careers, you may have to include that non-relevant experience. Mm -hmm. But what you want to try to do is pull out the skill sets that you use in those jobs and match it to what the job description is saying and kind of tailor the resume that way. So you may need to list it, but you don't want to emphasize the non-relevant skill sets. Try to emphasize the, the relevant skill sets. In regards to, you know, space, and you know, that's a big thing. Now, electronic things, you can kind of flip those a little quicker than you can the handwritten papers or the typewritten paper. But right. you do want to try to keep your resume short and sweet as possible. You'll use the interview to actually elaborate more on the actual experience, but your resume should hit the highlights and the key accomplishments because that's what they're looking for when they're reviewing the resume really quickly. <laughs> Let's be honest, right. you know, people are busy. If you have more than 10 years of experience, you want to try to keep the resume to two to three pages if it's at all possible. Again, they're sifting through hundreds of resumes when they place ads and they don't want to read through a seven-page resume. Bullets are probably the best way since it kind of draws the attention directly, draws the eye directly to the statement as opposed to a paragraph which looks more wordy. Mm -hmm. The third thing I would say is the experience listed should match the time period in which you worked. And this is going to help also with the space element that you've got to combat. So if you've worked at a job for a year and you worked at another job for five years, they shouldn't have the same amount of space written underneath of them in terms of what you did. Okay. So a job that had five years should have, you know, six or seven bullets. A job that had one year probably has two or three or somewhere around there. Those aren't specific numbers, but you get sure. the idea. You don't want to have, you know, 12 bullets listed for some place that you were one year and five years. It's probably not likely. You're being a little, too, you're parsing it out a little bit too much. You want to try to keep it concise as possible. And then lastly, I like to call it the C factor, S-E-E. You want to emphasize skills, education, and experience, and probably in that order. This order then kind of draws and takes the employer through your historical background and what you've done. It paints a clear picture of who you are as an employee and as a person. 
So um, if you follow kind of that, you know, you want to list your skills, list your education, and list your experience, and everything else you can kind of put after after that. Oh, that is a lot of uh, good practical advice, I think, for a lot of the listeners out there. And um, I know, I think we've all been there where we've struggled to just, where do I start with this? And I think this gives a lot of uh, a guidance as far as laying that out. So I appreciate you bringing up a number of those considerations, especially from your perspective and, um, and the experience Absolutely. you have. Yeah. Now, another area is we, we hear about varying thoughts on the idea of having an objective or an opening statement, you know, something that is at the top that's setting it all up, talking about you. Um, what are your thoughts on, on having something like that and, um, again, the value that that brings or the importance that it has on a resume? I definitely am an advocate for having an objective or a summary of qualification mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I believe it's a great eye-catching way to hit the highlights of your experience. Now, you're not getting into the meat of the details of what you did, but you're kind of highlighting what your overall experiences are, and you're using keywords that are relevant to that experience as well as to the position you're applying for. So, for example, it may sound something like mid-level human resources professional with five years of progressively responsible experience, okay. understanding of federal and state HR laws, outstanding team player, excellent written and verbal skills, solid experience with computer technology, including HR systems. That kind of gives an employer kind of the overall, oh, okay, well, she, you know, can write well. She's a team player. She understands the HR laws. Now let me look at her work experience and see where she has applied, or he, sorry, <laughs> has applied those skills into their individual, uh, you know, positions that they've actually held. Great. Yeah, I think I agree with you there as far as getting that quick nutshell. Um, I think, and the way you phrase those there, I think that'll help people as well as they're looking to prepare their resume and what we're trying to, to get across here today. Another area that um, is often at least perceived when it comes to the resume is the idea that maybe you embellish a little bit on your skills or experience and that's all kind of part of the game. You know, you're trying to sell yourself to the employer. What would you say about that belief or about that potential part of this? Because we all know lying is wrong and it's going to get you in trouble. And But it might come down to say, instead of saying I managed 15 people, I managed nearly 20. You know, how you phrase it. What, what, where's, where's sort of your thought process when it comes to that, that game within a game, if you will, with the language? And you know, the example that you gave, it is a matter of semantics and how you spin that. I think that because 15 is nearly 20. <laughs> so I think nothing is wrong with, you know, with the way that you word the resume. I think where right. you have to be careful is really the embellishment piece where you're saying that you did things that you may not necessarily have done. It's definitely a risky game. Employees often end up losing that game right. because you may get the job, but then what happens you know, when you get into the position and you're not able to perform it and then you have to be discharged because you, you know, poor performance, which is not something that anybody wants to have to go through, not the employee and not the employer either. Right. You know, it's, it's no fun on either side of the table. So if you don't have a skill set, don't say that you do have the skill set. Be honest about your timeframes of employment, including gaps. That's one thing that people often will um, kind of embellish or kind of overlap, you know, timelines and things like that. And it's understandable. You don't want to have to explain, you know, an embarrassing window of time where you weren't working. Sure. But the honest truth is that employers get that over the past few years, the economy has hit some industries and sectors, you know, hard. And people have been unemployed. They've been underemployed for extended periods of time. So that's not a rarity anymore. It's something that's unfortunately, um, it often happens. So, you know, keep in mind that employers also do employment reference checks 
So right. if you've outlined something that's not true in the resume, they're likely to find out. So just try to be as honest as possible in the email that you send when you are sending your resume. Maybe you say to them, during the period of 2006 to 2007, I was unemployed or I worked you know, in the hotel industry just trying to make some ends meet until I was able to get another job in my field. So that way, you know, they're kind of, they, they look at it and there's an explanation behind it. Right. Um, so they don't have to try to wonder. <laughs> no, I definitely appreciate you bringing that aspect up of it. Um, you know, just the idea again of being being forthright and honest. Um, but as you mentioned, it's okay to utilize a creative language provided you're still telling the truth, always being the key there. Exactly. Right. <laughs> is there a danger, and this is a question that pops up too, is there a danger in looking overqualified on a resume if you are Maybe you have a lot of experience and you're applying to a position that doesn't require it or um, in any other way you feel you might be overqualified. Is there a danger in that? There can be. It just um, it depends on how you, sp- how you spin it. This is why it's important to read through the job description carefully and make any type of necessary edits or changes to the resume so that the document actually reflects the relevant experience and the skill sets that you have. And apply for jobs that are either, if it's possible, either lateral positions or positions that are just a a step straight above. So I'll use myself as an example again. Um, When I was transitioning from an HR administrator position, I started looking for jobs as an HR manager or above. Looking for an HR assistant position after having been removed from that for a few years would have potentially made me look overqualified. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to the titles and the duties. And, you know, in a lot of industries, you have uh, the word manager is used a lot. And you could be managing people or you could be managing processes. So you want to read through the description and find out exactly which one it is, if, you know, if that's the particular case that you're in. Just make sure that the titles and the duties that you're applying for match the titles and duties for the position that you most recently held and maybe even the position before that so that it shows kind of a progressive increase in responsibilities and they don't feel that you are overqualified for the job. Education is another big one uh, where people will say you're overqualified because maybe some positions don't require you to have a master's degree and you do, but there's a way to kind of explain or spin that, or they may feel, you know, hey, we're going to hire someone with a master's degree for this HR manager position, doesn't require it. She's going to use this experience to kind of, as a stepping stone, to move to the next place. So, you know, when you get into the resume piece and matching that, you just want to make sure that you are able to explain, hey, these are the skills that I've learned when I was in school for a master's degree. I think they're a relevant match to what it is that you're looking for mm-hmm. in this particular position. And you can say that in a cover letter. You can say that in an email you know, when you're attaching your resume and sending it on. Sure. Now, we talked a lot about uh, you know, some ideas to help in preparing the resume. On the flip side, what would you say are the biggest or most, most common mistakes that people make when they are preparing the resume? I will tell you the biggest thing that I see, the most common mistake that I see, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves, are typographical Mm. errors. Yes. (laughs) I'm a stickler for them. It's so important to make sure that you have your resume read and you reread it and have someone else reread it, you know, two or three different people that you trust to read it and make sure that there's not any errors in there. Typos on resumes can paint an overall picture that you may not pay attention to detail. I mean, this is a pretty important document. Right. And it's the only snapshot that you may get to give yourself, uh, you know, your skill set to an employer. So it's important that you make sure that there aren't any errors on there. Another mistake is having significant gaps of employment. So we talked about it a little bit earlier. If you were unemployed or you were a stay-at-home mom or dad, 
say that on the resume. Explain it in the okay. gap that that's what it was that took place. That way people don't fill in the blanks on their own or make assumptions um, or pass judgment, you know, when they're trying to review your resume. Another common mistake that I see is incorrect contact information, believe it or not. People change really? email addresses, they change cell phone numbers or home okay. phone numbers. And with employers being so busy and a lot of people contacting potential candidates electronically these days so that they can be quick and efficient about it, they'll send emails and they'll send text messages and some still do call. Either way, if that information is not correct, they're probably not going to keep sending emails or keep calling. They're going to move on to the next person. So definitely make sure that you update your resume with the proper contact information so that you can be reached and that you, you know, hopefully at least get an opportunity to speak with the employer about coming in for an interview. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of in that file 13, as my mother used to call it. <laughs> which, which is? is? Trash can, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. No, I think, that's, I, th- I think that's perfect. I think those are some areas that people can look out for. Um, you know, you get so in tuned into what you're doing and, and maybe you miss something like that. So I appreciate you bringing those up as well. Definitely. Uh, we are getting up against the clock here, but I wanted to give you the floor the last 30 seconds or so just to give the listeners a, a final message about the resume, the importance of it, what they should be really focused on, wherever you want to go with it, just as a final wrap up for our conversation today. Sure. I'm happy to do that. You know, the most important thing is that you want to be ready to back up what you have on your resume. The interview that you get is a conversation about what you put on paper and what you put on the paper is what got you the interview. So you want to be ready and prepared to back up that resume with the meat and um, details of what it is that you did to really sell yourself to the employer. You were selected, you know, based on, on what it says. So be honest with your experience, be detailed and concise and always review it and have it reviewed again two or three times before you actually send it in for a job. And with that, we will close out this edition of Job Search Guide and looking at preparing your resume, obviously a very important document in your search for a new position. We've been speaking today with Stephanie Lomax, Director of Human Resources at Roland Companies and an individual with a ton of experience. And Stephanie, always love having you on. Always a good conversation. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. And of course, you can always find us uh, on Twitter at the LJN if you'd like to connect there, or if you'd like to send us an email with any comments or suggestions, just go ahead and send it to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.